Jack, why the hell do you do that? Why do you go out of your way to not present yourself as sexy as possible? And the answer is, uh, I think, much the same way that people who are capable of, of, uh, of reaching a level 10 intensity at something, like really capable of reaching and sustaining that level 10 of energy, uh, you almost never, ever see them at that level uh, at it because uh, they know exactly what it is and what they're doing, and they never want to be anywhere near that level of intensity. You don't see professional athletes getting professional athlete all the time, Olympians olympicizing in everything in their life. And it's kind of the same way with me. I don't particularly want to, uh, so I don't desire it, but I also just want to be silly, and I want to have fun, and <clears throat> life is short, so I want to enjoy it. And that's what's important to me, not appearing sexy as I can. This has been a major issue with me and other men in my life, all the way through. I've bellyached about it before on the podcast uh, and other mediums as well. But basically, a lot of men have told me over and over and over and over again how silly I am and how if they – they never say if I if they had what I had because that would be too complimentary when they're calling me an idiot. But they greatly imply uh, if if they could accomplish the same reactions with women that I could get sometimes in front of them, that they would never stop doing that, that that's who they would always present themselves to be. And they would do it in front of every woman all the time, and they would let women say to women and then spread the myth of how sexy and how amazing I am. Because uh, in their own head, they've already switched over to them from me, and they're already on top of a pile of naked uh, L. McPhersons. So... <clears throat> Uh, I, I had to learn a long time ago that no answer I gave would really be listened to or appreciated. So I just went, ah, yeah. Uh. And now, of course, I think people would be slightly more willing to listen to me if I wanted to tell them. I still don't. But if I wanted to have any advice for anybody on how to be sexy, not a guy, for women in general, that's the only... That's the only advice. No straight man's ever come up to me seeing, watching me make a very attractive woman laugh her fucking ass off in public. No super attractive guy has ever, or no guy's ever walked up to me and been like, hey, wow, I just saw you make that girl laugh, and uh, I was wondering, what is your secret to solving the sum of squares so quickly? Like, they've never come up, they've never asked me about any other secret or any other level of any, they've never walked up and like, wow, how do you make your chicken so salty and yet so healthy? No one ever has that. It's just always about their dick and their sexuality. Um, but my advice isn't for anybody's dick or their sexuality. It's a little bit more commonplace for that. And that is what is cool, what is interesting, what is meaningful to somebody, it changes. It changes all the time. One of the most – one of the quickest ways to have me not value your opinion as much as you did but a mere moment ago 
is to say that you don't think people change. You don't think people change. And if you say that to me, I immediately hold you in a little bit of a lower estimation, not as a person, but I'm definitely going to hear, and I can't unhear, somebody who thinks that way, somebody who expresses it out loud at least, and, and go so far as to say that and bring that into the world. Whenever you complain about a person, if you've said that to me, how am I not supposed to hear that comment? It's the same, I think, for me, as if you hear somebody say, oh, I think people are evil. I think people are evil, and they need this one specific religious book to not be evil. I think I hear the same thing in both of those. I hear pretty much the same verbiage and the same words and the same tones. I hear the same kind of, uh-oh, your opinion of people seems to be real based on your worst impulses, and what are they that you're so fucking worried for the rest of us? Don't worry, we're going to get real light, we're going to get real smooth, I promise. <clears throat> so, trying to play out the game, as I found, I'd say like 90% of men in their 20s at least did. Like literally, I wish that were an exaggeration, but literally 9 out of 10 guys in their 20s were playing a meta game. M-E-T-A, meta. By which I mean... Literally, everything a woman said to them or everything they said to a woman when that woman was a romantic interest was calculated. It was calculated and designed to get them to a place, typically sex or relationship or marriage or, or, or. And most of the guys coming up to me when they would see me do something self-effacing, especially if I went out of my way to do it, and especially if it got a group of women to laugh in public. Uh, mostly talking like co-workers and cohorts, not like friends here. But when a man would see that and come up to me and interrupt me and tell me that I shouldn't do things that way, it's almost always how they started uh, these discussions, they would inevitably talk about how women talk to each other. <laughs> oh, no, it's scary. And the kinds of things that women talk to each other about men. Ooh. And how women determined if you got laid by women. They would say to a man who was like 28 and was just talking to a group of women. Like he didn't fucking know that. And they would say all this with a real conspiratorial kind of tone. It wasn't just arrogant. It was also like, hey, man, you're really naive. So let me show you how the world really works. <laughs> and that's pretty much what I've always gotten. What I've always gotten from other men. And my advice to all of you, to them, to you, to everybody about sexuality is very, very simple. If you stop caring what the right answer is, you can start giving the real one. When you stop caring about what the correct outcome is supposed to be with somebody that you've just met, then all of them are. When you stop trying to dictate what the win condition is, and how to achieve it, 
you actually find more paths to victory. It's just so simple to me, and I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, I like getting my dick wet as much as, and maybe even more than, the next guy. I sure do. Of course I do. Uh, but legitimately, if that's the only thing in a state of play, how in the world is anyone I'm reacting to or interacting with not supposed to feel that? How are they not supposed to feel that all roads lead back to cock? Eh? And so that legitimately, I, I, I mean this sincerely because I've been a bit cutesy so far in the windup. Why am I silly? Why do I self-efface? Why do I intentionally do it? Why do I go out of my way? Because it's fucking fun to me. There's no, there's no mystic secret. Did you think there was? No. It's because it's fun to me. And if I have fun with it and if it's natural to me, then naturally some people are going to be attracted to that. Then naturally the people who are attracted to me will be amplified and the people who aren't will be turned off. And that's okay. Because I not only don't want to be attractive to everybody if I could be, if I could be, but if I were, if I were, if I actually were attractive to every man on the, on the to, to every woman on the planet, or everybody, let's just say everybody, like even straight guys are like, oh, super sexy Jack, you know, Simpsons reference. Uh, but like legitimately, if every heterosexual woman, every last one, heterosexual, bisexual, and then most of the LGBTs as well, there's a few holdouts. There are some bunkers I haven't quite reached. But let's just pretend, right? I'm attracted to all these people. Do you know how hard I would make your fucking life? Do you know, if, if you couldn't turn it off, do you know how much I would make your life even harder? Even harder, do you know how crazy my morning messages would be if I knew you had to click on them? If I knew you had to? If I knew, look at all the shit I put you guys through not knowing. This is what I do sometimes, like, uh, I'm never close to not paying a bill, but like, you know, less money than I'd like when I check the account sometimes. And this is how I play it. Can you imagine if I controlled everything, what I would do? Because I do. I imagine it all the time. And I would fucking destroy you. You would hate every single morning. You would hate it. You'd hate it. You would hate it. You'd hate it. Oh, yeah. So that's the introduction. I hope everybody's ready for a good show. Uh, I know that I am. Uh, yes. We talked about moving in and all the rest, so I'm not going to keep talking about that. It's been two weeks here now. It does feel like home. This is home. It's starting to smell like me. It's starting to feel like me. Me and Kitty have our routines. Uh, we're working. We're going. Uh, the podcast is up. I think it sounds great. I'm getting some compliments from you guys. You guys seem to think it sounds pretty good, too. Uh, physically, I feel pretty good. Uh, yeah, just knocking things out. So that's the update for anybody who missed it. Super, super quick. That's where I'm at. That's where things are at. Okay. <clears throat> so now... The important things. I've talked about work. I've talked about philosophy. I've talked about love. I've talked about me. I've talked about my time off. Let's talk about the important things, shall we? Let's talk about card games.
Daddy's addicted to a card game. So I've talked about this before. I have a I have a decade long affair with being into what I call idle games. But I kind of feel like idle games in 2019 have fallen into a slump. An idle or an incremental game is a game where you set it up and then it plays itself. You legit, like you legitimate, you tell Mario, hey Mario, I want you to stomp on Goombas and pick up mushrooms, and Mario goes and does it. For hours. For hours and hours, he stomps on the Goombas. And he picks up the mushrooms, and you can come back, and he'll be like, I picked up 117 mushrooms. Because I don't watch him do it. I just want to make sure that somewhere, somehow, Goombas are being stomped, and mushrooms are being picked. I don't watch it happen. I need to, I need to make that clear. Some people sit and watch these games. Those people terrify me. I don't do that. I get I get the motion I get the engine. I set it in motion. I come back and I check on it. You know, I cook lunch or something, I'll come back twenty minutes later. Ooh, yes, seven mushrooms. That beats estimations. That's fantastic. Ooh. Or like I'll I'll sweep and I'll be like, what? Only five mushrooms? Mmm, that's lower than I thought it would be. Clearly I need to alter the mushroom gathering ratio. All right? I'm not asking anybody to be into this. I'm not asking for anybody to want it. I'm just telling you something about me. And these games have gotten worse in the last year or two. I don't know what it is. They just have. I don't know if it's me or the games. I think it's the games because the community doesn't seem to love any of the new ones coming out. So when this whole thing about auto chess came out... I don't know if any of you have heard this, but there's like this big sweeping thing in games now where there's auto chess. Where games now have things that play themselves. Uh, and, and like chess, chess is the best example. Like chess has pawns and rooks and kings and queens. You pick your pawns and rooks and knights and kings and queens in between rounds and then they automatically play out for you. So you're kind of like a football team manager, uh, except for little fantasy guys fighting, is what auto chess is. It was about six months ago, I want to say, it swept the world. It was this big thing. I know, it's going to get fucking worse from here. You might just want to skip ahead, people who are listening at home. Anyway, so that's auto chess. And I didn't really fucking get into that shit either, all right? I didn't really get into it. I tried a couple of uh, games. It wasn't really for me. There we go. Well, I fucking logged into an old school card game that's always been there for me for these last five years. Whenever I'm like depressed or tired or broke or like whatever, I uh, got nothing else going on. Old Hearthstone is there. Oppressing Taiwanese people and giving daddy bad odds since 2014. And I just... I just kind of, I kind of booted up the Hearthstone, and I didn't know. I was just going to play some fucking cards, man. I didn't really know. But there's a new mode in Hearthstone. (sighs) 
playing a card game is already online is already so lazy. Playing a card game in person is already socially like disjointed and super fucked up because you could be talking to another person or touching them or interacting with them and instead you pull out your little index cards that have like dragons and shit on them and you're like I attack you. I attack you for four. I attack you. So we're already talking about a weird subset of human being and that's exactly the kind of adolescent young man I was. Okay? I get that. And then playing card games online is sad because in person at least, like, you have a conversation with the cards. It's like, oh, are you going to do that? Well, then I want to counterspell that. Ha <laughs> ha, sorry. I know you were said, uh-oh, he sundered my counterspell. Uh. It's a conversation at least. There's, It's a dance. You're at least doing something. Online where it just automatically tallies everything up for you and you don't talk to the person. And especially in Hearthstone where you can't talk to the person. Where you just have cartoon heads scream at each other for between 2 and 20 minutes. Where you just right click on cartoon heads and the cartoon heads are like, I will destroy you! How dare you challenge me! Roar! Like that's, that's, that's the whole, like I gotta tell you, I do not listen to these fucking games. I mute them as soon as I play them, and the only time I play game sounds is when I'm streaming them for you assholes, because you won't listen. So, it's it's shit. It's shit. You're a boring fucking loser if you play these games. I know. I have like 10,000 wins on one character alone. I know exactly what a boring loser you are if you play Hearthstone. Way better than most people I know. Oh my god. I don't date anybody, so I have thousands of Hearthstone's wins. Oh, and even more losses, I'm sure. Uh, and so I just logged in, you know, just just to just to spend some time during the impeachment. Uh, and I'm not going to get too political, but like I need to keep my hands busy during impeachment hearings. They don't happen often, so my hands got to have something to do. So I logged into Hearthstone. I thought I was going to fling some cards. There's a new mode in Hearthstone. Where the cards play themselves. Guys, there's a new mode of Hearthstone where the, there's a card game where the cards play themselves. I am powerless against it. I wanted to play a game before this show so fucking badly. You have no idea. The first time I saw it, I'm like, ha, 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 cards that play themselves. Why would I ever do that? Seven fucking hours later. Seven fucking hours later. I'm looking at my score because there's a rank because the cards that play themselves is always competitive and you have a professional rank and matchmaking and I'm looking at my matchmaking score go up and I'm mad that my matchmaking score is going up because I'm like, excuse me, sir. 
I don't think that my rating went up enough points because when I didn't play cards that last round, I didn't play them much better than that, okay? You only gave me 34 points for not playing the cards last round, but I definitely deserve at least 52 because I didn't play those cards so well. Did you see those other seven assholes not playing cards? I played not, I not played cards so much better than those other seven fucking assholes. You're going to insult me with those few imaginary imaginary points for not playing your cards? I didn't play cards for 25 minutes and you're only going to give me that few points? I didn't play cards all night long and you're not even going to get me to 4,500? <laughs> so here's how it works, just in case you're like, what are you talking about? You literally, you literally just click on a card that you like, and then two minutes later, it fights another card. It's literally, that's it. That's it. You're like, oh, I'm clicking. Oh, it's a goat guy. Fuck yeah. Come on, goat guy. And then, like, sometime later, you'll hear a sound in the other window when you're watching the impeachment hearings. You'll hear, like, Mah! it's like, oh, I guess goat guy got fucking eaten. Guess it's my move. And then you'll click another card. That's all you do. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and I'm great at it. <laughs> so my so my whole Friday and my Wednesday was literally just like streaming video on one monitor, cards that I'm not watching filled with news on the other, flipping back and forth between the two. And it's 100% just nothing but me looking at the senators and being all or the how the congressional the, the congress and being like you fuckers you fucking assholes you you fuckers you i can't believe you fucking got us in this situation and then looking over at my card game uh play out automatically because there's no input from me whatsoever and be like you fucking asshole who would choose those fucking cards to not play Ugh, i don't even know who you are but i hope you die and then i'll look over at my cat who's right next to the third monitor on her on her kitty perch and she's sitting there all curled up and purple be like you piece of fucking shit all you do is eat dry food and fart in my face nobody even wants you here because when i play card games i get a little bit surly no one's no one's allowed in my room when I play card games. So I'm actually bringing all this up because I'm trying to get more and more into streaming and I'm trying to get more. No one laughed at that. I guess. See, I couldn't make. You can't make insulting the cat a laugh line. People like the cat too much. I love the kitty and she's perfect. I love her and she's a perfect baby. See, that's what you all need. So I'm trying to bring this all up because I, I'm trying to stream more and more. I just tried to stream a game and then I got lost in it because nobody played it. Nobody's played it enough to tell me what to do and I'm stuck. <sighs> like a five-year-old who wants to call Nintendo hotline. I'm like, I can't beat the game. So I stopped, you know, because I was running around in circles, so I stopped playing it. Uh, but you can't. It's a, it's, it's a game you don't play. Would anybody watch me not play cards? <laughs> Don't answer now. Let me know after the show, through the through the anons and what have you. Do you guys really want to watch me do shit like that? Let me know for future content and programming as we get caught up with the uh, recording, as uh, as everything comes into place. Because 
I, I, I can't keep just yelling at my cat and, and the Senate through the internet. I can't keep doing that. I'm only getting older. It's only going to get more weird. So you guys got to let me know. All right. So uh, that's card games playing themselves. Hopefully you enjoyed the introduction of that. I uh, am so proud of myself for getting all uh, of the work done and all of my chores done and what have you, uh, given the fact that uh, all of this impeachment nonsense is happening. And there's just so much um, – there's just a lack of energy, I guess, in my circles because it's all going to watching the news. Everybody that I know on a personal level is just zombified by the news a little bit. I made excuses for myself. Now I'm starting to make excuses for my friends and shit. And I'm like, hey, man, have you bought groceries in November? <laughs> no, no, November just started, though. No, no, it's halfway over. Uh, I, I had to make a car payment today. That's why I thought of you. I, I also lost about four days of it to watching cards bump into each other. You, you watch cards bump into each other? Yeah, like a like a 2000s, mid-2000s hip-hop music video. Watching just cards rub up against each other. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> no? All right. Gosh. Gosh. All right. Well, that's all I got. That's the introduction of the show. Uh, I guess we're moving on to the... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I tried to be charming. We're moving on to the more scripted portions of it, uh, and at least we'll get there right after we get to quick quotes. Quick quotes, and can we get a link to the tip jar real quick before we get them up? School bell! Oh my god, that's right. Thank you so much, Sierra. While we get the quick quotes out there, that'll be fantastic. So, uh, one thing that I did before I started recording and getting the podcast up and started getting the patron pieces up and all that sort of thing, uh, is that I did kind of soundproof this place. And I'm so excited to say that I'm actually pretty close to a school. And I thought I was really worried about when I was trying to pick this place, maybe I was going to hear that school bell sound uh, when I got this uh, place. So one of the reasons why it took so long to move in here, and I was hesitant, not about this house in particular, I had three different houses I was looking at throughout October, and I just didn't want to be in the same situation where I couldn't record, where for any reason whatsoever, the recording would be stopped by outside sound. The less we could have of that, the better, uh, was the entire philosophy. And unfortunately, the three houses that looked like they'd be best for me price range-wise, location-wise, and all the rest, all three had a fucking hitch. All three had like a little negative check mark in the column, uh, and I couldn't get over it. And so I spent a fair bit of my afternoons in October till the point where I finally tapped out. I was like, I can't record anymore. I'm, di I'm tired. I'm dragging ass, yada, yada, yada. Uh, is I would go out on uh, during the days with my phone and I would just record ambient sound for 15, 20 minutes at a time and then take that back home and look at it uh, just to see what it looked like, what it looked like when I sampled out the, the baseline noise and then how that would sound for an audio once Allie touched it, yada, 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 yada. And so here it was the school bells. It's kind of near some school yards. 
uh, and uh, and had those school bells that, that could ring out there. Uh, and I was really worried about that. <laughs> a second house was right across from an apartment, a big apartment complex parking lot. And I don't know about you guys, but there is something about the size of a parking lot where every additional 10 cars, I don't know, above a certain size, like 50 cars maybe. But after you get to 50 cars, every 10 above that or so increases the chance that everyone in that parking lot is going to have a slamming door competition. I don't know what it is. There's something about like like be beneath 25 cars, nobody's slamming their door shut. But after 50, like every 5, 10 cars in addition to that, people are like, okay, here we go. It's the big leagues. And they like, they grip the fucking door with both their hands and they're like stretching like, ah, 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 and then they just slam that fucking car door as loud as they fucking can. World record. Yes. So I was really nervous about that because the parking lot could hold like 200 people. Um, and then the third house I was looking at that was so cute uh, and and was so cheap uh, and, and and had the nicest landlady, had the nicest abuela landlady uh, that just, like, would have loved me just because, like, uh, uh, hand, handing over the rent money every month is all she gave a shit about. So she would have just loved me. Um, but it was literally... Literally, kitty corner from a place that drives around people who are uh, impaired or handicapped um, and couldn't get around. And I thought, well, that sounds okay. Like, it's a taxi service for, for, for handicapped people. That doesn't sound like it's going to make too much noise, right? <laughs> and so I go out there to get my cell phone out and I record. And as I get my cell phone out, before I even like turn the corner, before I'm anywhere near uh, it, I'm getting out of my car and I hear <coughs> real loud, real high pitched. <coughs> so I follow it to the house to see if the noise is gonna get louder. And it does. And I followed around the corner, and it gets louder because now the sound's not being blocked by the house. It's still that noise. It's still that constant high-pitched noise. It's still the same noise. And I see a van still lowering one person on one wheelchair down to the fucking ground. <laughs> it was like 25 consecutive seconds of that noise for one person. And I took one look at that from across the street. I just stared at it with the phone in my hand and was like, oh, I don't think this is going to work out very well for me. <laughs> so those are the three places that I was trying to look at before I got in here uh, so I can make sure that there wasn't going to be a recording issue. With the school bell sound, I had to take a risk. Uh, I figured the school bell, at least that'd be during the day only, and therefore I could still do the night owl thing, worst case scenario. Um, 
But legitimately, I can't hear kids playing in the studio. Uh, I can't hear the bell ringing. Uh, I, I haven't gotten any traffic when I've recorded. Um, and then just the occasional police siren, but it really is occasional because I live in the big city. What else are you going to do? Can't live in the big city near major streets without hearing the occasional siren. Um, and it's just been fantastic. It's all worked out so well. So people wanted to ask about the journey here, what it took so long to do. Uh, and that's why, because the last two places I had were horrible for recording, just horrible. So the Grey Knight Project up until now has been done under really, really poor recording situation. Now it's not, so now there's no excuse. So now every time something's late, it really fucking is on Daddy, and it is on card games that play themselves. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to me say all that. Throw the money in the kitty. The tip jar is there to make me feel pretty. Yes? Do it. Throw the money in the tip jar. All right. <clears throat> That's right, baby girl. Grind on daddy's thigh just like that. You're such a good girl for me. You did so well this week. Hey, little one, lay down and let me taste you. You want to say that again? Oh, baby girl. You look amazing. Come here, baby girl, and give daddy a kiss. You've been such a good little kitten. You're my favorite pet. Come Sit in my lap, little one. I'm so proud of you. Oh, sweet thing, how well I ruin you today. You did wonderfully this week, little one. I'm so proud of you, Emily. Happy birthday, baby girl. Now, come over here and let Daddy give you your present. Faith. Baby girl, you are perfect. Come sit in da Daddy's lap, baby girl. I want to make those curls bounce. <laughs> Quick quotes, quick quotes, quick quotes, quick quotes. There you go. All right, guys, that's quick quotes for the evening. Thank you very much for it. I very much appreciate each and every last one of you. Let's get into the recorded portion of this evening, shall we? Shan't we? Let's. That's everything I promised, right? Quick quotes and some rambling. I think so. Shows off. Yes, yes. Excellent. Okay. <clears throat> Paper Cat, I'm so glad you're having a good birthday show. Thank you so much for coming out and celebrating it with us. Everybody give Cat a little quick birthday swat. We don't have a lot of birthday girls come out. I am excited that I am that level of entertainment for somebody, that I can be a birthday girl. My goodness. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> 
We're going to get started. Further pissing everybody off who doesn't want there to be Christmas talk this early. Hey, man, it's my holiday. I put up with your October 1st equals Halloween bullshit. So you have to put up with mine. I like one adult holiday. It's Christmas. So if somebody comes in with a Christmas quote, I'm going to do it. Here it is. The holly bush, a sober lump of green, shines through the leafless shrubs all brown and gray, and smiles at winter, be it ever so keen, with all the leafy luxury of May. And oh, it is delicious when the day in winter's loaded garment keenly blows and turns her back on sudden falling snows, to go where gravel pathways creep between arches of evergreen that scarce let through a single feather of the driving storm. And in the bitterest day that ever blew, we walk will find some places still and warm, where dead leaves rustle sweet and give alarm to the little birds that flirt and start away. Winter Walk by John Clare Goodness. It's going to be one of those evenings, kids. Looks like the classy stuff got brought out. Oh, I don't know why you'd bring me the classy stuff. Shouldn't you save that for somebody who's classy? (laughs) It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing... It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love for your dreams, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have opened life's betrayals, or if you've become shriveled and closed from fear of future. Pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own. If you can dance with wildness and let your ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you're telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. If you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it is not pretty every day. If you can source your own life. From its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, Yes. 
It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty. Moments. The Invitation by Oriah Mountain Dreamer. Watch out for power, for its avalanche can bury you, snow, 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 smothering your mountain. Watch out for hate, it can open its mouth, and you'll fling yourself out to eat off your leg, an instant leper. Watch out for friends, because when you betray them as you will, you will bury their heads in the toilet and flush themselves away. Watch out for the intellect, because it knows so much it knows nothing and leaves you hanging upside down, mouthing knowledge at your heart and falls out your mouth. Watch out for games, the actor's part, the speech planned, known, given, for it will give you away and you will stand like a naked little boy, pissing on your own child bed. Watch out for love. Unless it is true, and every part of you says yes, including the toes, it will wrap you up like a mummy, and you will scream and you won't be heard, and none of your running will run. Love, be it man, be it woman, it must be a wave you want to glide in on. Give your body to it. Give your laugh to it. Give when the gravelly sand takes you to tear the land. To love another is something like prayer and can't be planned. You just fall into its arms because your belief undoes your disbelief. Special person, if I were you, I'd pay no attention to admonitions from me, admonishments from me, made somewhat out of your words and something out of mine, a collaboration. I do not believe a word I have said, except some, except I think of you like a young tree with pasted on leaves and know your root, and the real green thing will come. Let go. Let go. Oh, special person, possible leaves, this typewriter likes you on the way to them, but wants to break crystal glasses in celebration. For you, when the dark crust is thrown off and you float all around like a happened balloon.
Admonitions to a Special Person by Anne Sexton Admonitions, I'll admit, is a word that I don't know if I've ever seen. It took me a second. Admonishments, admonitions. Uh, so I flubbed that a little bit. Apologies to, I'm assuming if she wrote this on a typewriter, the now deceased Anne Sexton. <clears throat> okay. Lots of really, lots of really, really nice poems tonight. Thank you to everybody who suggested them. Okay. <clears throat> I wanted to be sure this was our island, so that we could walk the long stars by the sea, though your hips are slight and caught in the air, like a moth at the end of a river around my arms. I am unable to understand the sun, your dizzy spells, when you form a hand around me on the sand. I offer you my terrible sanity, the eternal voice that keeps me from reaching you, though we are close to each other every autumn. I feel the desperation of a giant freezing in cement when I touch the door you pressed against, the color of your letter that reminds me of flamingos. Isn't that what you mean? The pleasure of hands and lips wetter than the ocean, or the brilliant pain or the breathless teeth in a turbulent dream on a roof, while I thought of nothing else except you against the sky as I unfold you like me in my very life a liquid signal of enormous love we invented, like a comet that splits the air between us. The earth looks shiny, wrapped in steam and ermine, tired of us, perspiring at every chance on the floor. Below, I bring you to an ashtray out of love for this ice palace, for it is the end of summer, the end of the sun. Because you are in season like a blue rug, you are my favorite violin. When you sit and peel my eyes with your great surfaces, seem intimate when we merely touch the thread of life and kiss. Summer by Frank Lima Boy, that was an interesting one. <clears throat> I'm not quite sure what Mr. Lima meant, but I know that he meant it. <clears throat> I would like to watch you sleeping which may not happen. I would like to watch you sleeping. I would like to sleep with you, to enter your sleep, as it is smooth, dark, wave, it slides over my head and walk with you through it, that lucent, wavering forest of blue-green leaves with its watery sun and three moons towards the cave where you must descend towards your own worst fear. I would like to give you the silver branch, the small white flower, the one word that will protect you from the grief at the center of your dream, from the grief at the center. I would like to follow you up the long stairway again and become the boat that would row you back carefully, a flame in two cupped hands to where your body lies beside me, and you enter it as easily 
as breathing in. I would like to be the air that inhabits you for a moment only. I would like to be that unnoticed and that necessary. Variations on the Word Sleep by Margaret Atwood In your arms was still delight, quiet as a street at night. And thoughts of you, I do remember, were green leaves in a darkened chamber. Were dark clouds in a moonless sky, love in you went passing by. Penritive, remote, and rare, like a bird in the wide air. And, as the bird... It left no trace in the heaven of your face. In your stupidity, I found the sweet hush after a sweet sound. All about you was the light that dims the graying end of night. Desire was the unrisen sun, joy the day not yet begun. With tree whispering to tree without wind, quietly, wisdom slept within your hair, and long suffering was there. And in the flowing of your dress, undiscerning tenderness, and when you thought it, it seemed to me infinitely and like a sea. About the slight world you had known, and vast unconsciousness was thrown, O haven, without wave or tide, silence in which all songs have died. A holy book where hearts are still and home at length under the hill, O mother quiet, breasts of peace where love itself would faint and cease. O infinite deep I never knew I would come back, come back to you, find you as a pool unstirred, kneel down by you, and never a word, lay my head, and nothing said, in your hands, ungarlanded. And a long watch you would keep, and I should sleep, and I should sleep. Retrospect by Rupert Brooke <clears throat> My desire is always the same. Wherever life deposits me, I want to stick my toe and soon my whole body into the water. I want to shake out a fat broom and sweep dried leaves, bruised blossoms, dead insects and dirt. I want to grow something. Seems impossible that desire can sometimes transform into devotion, but this has happened, and that is how I've survived, how the whole I've carefully tended in the garden of my heart grew a heart to fill it. Desire by Alice Walker uh, And thank you to everybody who did go ahead and submit a poem 
and all the rest. I appreciate you very much. Uh, ignore the name. I've actually ignored it this time. Use this towards getting your decorations and having a wonderful show and Christmas season. Thank you so much, nameless person. Uh, yes, indeed, I will be using tonight's tips to get a tree and Christmasify the place. So thank you for that. Next tip up. Uh, been following for a few years now. Thought it was about time I started showing you how much I enjoyed your content now that I'm more financially stable. Thank you for everything, Jack. I'm enjoying my first time listening to you live. Can't wait to tune in every week. Thank you so much, Emily. Appreciate it and you. Uh, we have Maria says nothing. Thank you, Maria, darling. Appreciate it and you very much. Julie, go forth and Christmasify the house. Have fun doing so. Julie, thank you so much, darling. I will absolutely positively do so. Once again, that tip jar is open as we move right on in to our next segment, Love Letters. Here we go. We've got a very interesting series of love letters, it looks like. Uh, love letters, when I when I started this segment, I said it absolutely positively doesn't have to be a romantic or erotic type of love, and it looks like that's exactly what we have this week. So without further ado, <clears throat> Dear Tom, we had your letter this morning. I will answer it from my point of view, and the course Elaine will from hers. First... If you are in love, that's a good thing. That's about the best thing that can happen to anyone. Don't let anyone make it small or light to you. Second, there are several kinds of love. One is a selfish, mean, grasping, egotistical thing which uses love for self-importance. This is the ugly and crippling kind. The other is an outpouring of everything good in you, of kindness and consideration and respect, not only the social respect of manners, but the greater respect, which is recognition of another person as unique and valuable. The first kind can make you sick and small and weak, but the second can release you in your strength and courage and goodness and even wisdom you didn't know you had. You say this like it's not puppy love if you feel so deeply. Of course it isn't puppy love. But I don't think you are asking me what you feel. You know better than anyone. What you wanted me was to help you is what to do about it. And that, I can tell you. Glory in it for one thing and be very glad and grateful for it. The object of love is the best and most beautiful. Try to live up to it. If you love someone, there is no possible harm in saying so only you must remember that. Some people are very shy, and sometimes the saying must take that shyness into consideration. Girls have a way of knowing for feeling what you feel, but they usually like to hear it also. It sometimes happens that what you feel is not returning for one reason or another, but that does not make your feeling less valuable and good. Lastly, I know your feeling because I have it, and I'm glad you have it. We will be glad to meet Susan. She will be very welcome, but Elaine will make all such arrangements because that is her province, and she will be very glad to. 
she knows about love too. Maybe she can give you more help than I can. And don't worry about losing. If it's right, it happens. The main thing is not to hurry. Nothing good gets away. Love, Fa. <clears throat> A letter from John Steinbeck to Tom Steinbeck. <clears throat> My dearest darling wife. How is my dream girl tonight? Fine, I hope. I can picture you now, darling, with your rust-colored hair predominating the smudge of dirt on the tip of your nose, and you are submissive to your thoughts with a far-away look in your eye. You are asking yourself questions, particularly at this time, which thousands of mothers and wives are asking themselves. Put those thoughts out of your mind, darling, because I am in good health and feel like a million. I am not taking anything for granted because I know it is only human nature to do so. You are with me constantly, darling, because we are inseparable in mind and spirit, even if in reality we are several thousand miles apart. This is the perfect night for dreaming. There's a big silver dollar of a moon and a cool breeze floating on the air. What a night, darling. It reminds me of August 15th when I proposed to the girl of my dreams. No, there isn't any palm trees or parked cars in front of Mrs. Gartman's, but just the same, it reminds me of a night I'll never forget. Though awkward it may be, I am trying to say that I love you. I love you more than seems humanly possible, but why do you have to haunt me all the time? How are the B-25s coming along, darling? Every time I see one, I get a funny feeling and say to myself, maybe Dot has helped push that baby into the air. It's a wonderful feeling, darling. Frank was here yesterday for about an hour, and we had a regular old ladies' gab fest. He told me to tell you hello for him, but from now on it is, speak for yourself, John. Ha! <laughs> you ought to see him. He hasn't shaved for a week, and I don't see how she could go through his glasses. They were so dirty. Well, darling, the day we have waited for so long has come, and on that very day, one year from the day I met you, I hope it won't be long. Tell Mom I'll write her soon. In fact, tomorrow night. I must leave you for tonight, dearest, but I will write tomorrow. That is a promise. Good night, sweetheart, and sweet dreams. Dream of me? I'll be home for supper, honey. Your hubby, Steve. P.S. I could use some writing paper. Also, send some cigarettes, if you get any. Uh, it is unsigned, a World War II letter. Okay. We've got one last little love letter, and then we'll get on into the smut to close out the show. Here we go. <clears throat> Dear Robert, Often as I lie awake, I wonder if you are also lying awake. Are you in pain? 
or feeling alone. You drew me in from the darkest period of my young life, sharing with me the sacred mystery of what it is to be an artist. I learned to see through you and never compose a line or draw a curve that does not come from the knowledge I derive from our precious time together. Your work, coming from a fluid source, can be traced to the naked song of your youth. You spoke then of holding hands with God. Remember through everything, you have always held that hand. Grip it hard, Robert, and don't let go. The other afternoon, when you fell asleep on my shoulder, I drifted off too. But before I did, it occurred to me looking around at all of your things and your work and going through years of work in my mind that all of your work, you are still your most beautiful, the most beautiful work of all. Patty Smith to Robert Maplethorpe. Very good. Uh, Adrian says, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Adrian. Appreciate that tip and you very much indeed. Okay. We have got just a little bit of smut. It looks like it's two quicker pieces or one longer piece. I think we're going to do the longer piece tonight just because that's the way everything has kind of shook out. We're going to go ahead and do that one, and uh, thank you to the gals who go ahead and sent in the shorter pieces. We'll save those for another time. So it is a longer piece. This is going to be the only piece of smut tonight, and it is going to close us out. And it starts off on a pretty exciting note. So if everybody can get in and cozy... And get those final tips in if you do want me to say them before the end of the show. Thank you so much. Here we go. <clears throat> my cock swelled as her hand grazed my chest, disappearing to my unbuckle my belt. I didn't pull away as she undid my jeans and reached into my box of briefs to fist around my rapidly hardening length. I groaned as her thumb smeared over the crown, pressing with perfect pressure. Neela, I need you, Kite. Her lips never left mine. I need you to remind me I'm alive, after so many of those we love are dead. I pulled back. Her face tracked with tears, shattering my heart. This was supposed to be a happy time, and yet we'd all been sucked into sadness. Looping my fingers into the strand of her smoke-laced hair, I whispered, Anything. Tell me how to make you come alive, and I'll do it. I kissed her. I'll do anything you need. Her face darkened with desire so furious, I sucked in a breath. That night, you taught me how. It was for you. The intensity lesson and the way you made me focus on the simplest of things. My lips twisted even as my heart leapt in lust. My whip. She bit her lip, nodding. I want that again. I want to remember we're still here, that our love is still real, and no matter what, we won. 
I need reminding we have our entire lives to spend together. It doesn't matter how we came together. Nothing can ever tear us apart. I couldn't help myself. I kissed her excruciatingly hard. You're a witch, I swear. Or maybe an HSP yourself. She frowned. What do you mean? I need the same thing. I smiled, tracing her bottom lip with my finger. I feel like I've lost you a little. That you doubt what we have is true. I need to make you focus, to accept nothing else could match what we found. And in a way, I need to punish you for ever doubting that. I stared at her with a mixture of awe and worship. Had she picked up on my silent wishes as I picked up on hers? Last week, while dealing with Bonnie's funeral and lawyer documents, I had the sudden compulsion to fight such grief with a blistering, dirty sex. I wanted to ravage and fuck. I wanted to remind myself that no matter what I'd done to my father, I was still me and still deserving of Neela's love. I hadn't asked her to give me what I needed, as I hadn't wanted her upset or hurt. But here she was, asking for the very same thing. You're fucking perfect. I kissed her. And you? She kissed back. Will you let me have control tonight? Let me do what we both need. Her head fell back, submitting to me. Anything, Jethro. I'm yours for the night. Do anything you want. Just the night. A sly smile spread her lips. You want more than that? The growl built in my throat. You know I do. I didn't hesitate. Letting her go, I shot to my drawers and pulled out two ties, both silver with diamonds spilling down the fabric. Neela didn't take her eyes off me as I prowled to the head of the bed and snapped my fingers. The old hint of authority sent a shiver down her spine. Come here, Miss Weaver. She obeyed faster than any order I'd been deadly serious. My lips quirked. Seemed sex is more wanted than debt. My heart tripped. If she reached so defiantly and strong when facing something she didn't want to face, what would she be like in our future? Would she be eager to do things I could guarantee she'd love? Could we finally have the trust I'd always begged her to give me so I could live entirely in her feelings for me? Biting my lip, I ran my two ties through my fingers. You're making it hard to remember. I should be punishing you and not rewarding you. She smiled and she lay back, placing her hands above her head, licking her lips. She never took her eyes from mine. Perhaps I want both. I smiled hard, climbing onto the bed and hovering over her, slinging my knee over her hips. I straddled her. We didn't stop staring, my mouth 
watered, my cock hardened, and the shitty nightstand faded. Somehow, she even managed to stop me thinking about Kestrel's funeral in a few hours, about a mammoth task before me of calling the men and granting peace to a scarred nation, and all the loose ends I had to tie up now. I was heir. I'm Air. I never thought I'd say the words. Hawkridge was mine. Once upon a time, that was all I wanted, because it offered freedom from my siblings and me. And now, I could walk away from it tomorrow, because Neela was my true freedom. And I loved her more than any estate or bank balance. Dropping over her, I kissed her quickly, forcing myself not to get carried away. Her hands swooped up to my cheek, caressing with love and lust. Pulling back, I dropped my ties to the mattress and tugged on the hem of her glittery blue jumper. This needs to come off. Sitting up in one sweep like a ballerina, she let me pull the fabric over her head. She didn't say a word as I removed the small tank from underneath and unhooked her bra. Once I removed her breasts, her nipples instantly hardened, begging me to bite and suck. I deliberately brushed my knuckles over them, granting her a smidgen of pleasure. She gasped, and her black eyes turned into empty galaxies, just waiting for me to give her an orgasm and fill them with stars. My cock twitched, begging to take her, but I had something to do first. Picking a single tie from my bedroom knee, I growled, Put your hands together. She stiffened with anticipation but obeyed, her elegant fingers latched together, presenting them to me like a perfect surrender. Taking her wrists, I gently wrapped the silver tie around her, securing it tight but not too tightly. Guiding her arms back to rest on the pillows above her head, I kissed her brow. Keep them there. Do not move. Understand? I understand. Good girl. Resting back on my knees, I turned my attention to her trousers. I tapped her hips. These need to go, too. My voice no longer resembled a distinguished lord, more like a feral sex-starred man who desperately wanted to fuck. Neela arched her back, holding herself with superb muscles as I unbuttoned her, unzipped her shorts. A soft pant fell from her lips as I wrenched the denim down her legs, followed by her lacy knickers, naked. Was there anything more fucking perfect than Neela naked, willing and wet in my bed? Fuck! She looked positively decadent. My hands curled, forcing myself to find some restraint from fucking that very instant. Tracing my fingers along the inside of her thigh, I murmured, Now, Miss Weaver, what, oh what, should I do with you? Her skin flushed as her eyes dropped to my fully dressed body. I want to see you. I shook my head. You have to deserve it. I think you need a few more things before you give me to you. Her midnight eyes darkened impossibly further. Like what? I can think of a few things. Climbing down her body, I placed my elbows on the bed, settling myself between her spread legs. My chin hovered over her cunt. 
my eyes locked on hers. I'm going to taste you, Mila. I'm going to make you explode and show you that you're alive with me and safe. Foreign sisters don't matter. Mother's secrets don't matter. All that matters is us. Neela panted as I bowed over her breathing hot on her clit. My breath misted her delicate skin, heating her core, making her moan. She bucked in my arms. Grabbing her silk-covered wrists, I clucked my tongue. Put those back above your head. She gasped, struggling to obey when every nerve ending existed in her pussy. Slowly, she reached her arms back on the pillow. Smirking, I lowered my mouth, licking her quick and sharp. She shuddered, and I licked her again, absorbing her taste, struggling with my own resolve to grant her pleasure when all I wanted was to climb inside her more. Her head tossed back, another bone responding in answer. My muscles stiffened. My cock ached in my jeans. I wanted to forget an all pretense and just fuck this woman, claim her as mine. But she wanted to come alive. I would do everything in my power to make that happen. I'd make her cry with hysteria. I'd make her laugh at how good it felt to breathe and let me control her pleasure. Slipping fingertips through her thighs, I traced my way upward. Every sweep of my tongue an inch of my fingers, she trembled and tensed. The higher I got, the more her legs forced to close, clamping around my shoulders. Shaking my head, I speared the tip of my tongue into her folds. Grabbing her legs, I slammed them open, pressing them into the mattress ensuring she was bared, exposed, and entirely vulnerable to whatever I wanted to do to her. Stay, otherwise my tongue will become teeth. She groaned. It echoed through the bed, hypnotizing me. Her pussy glistened, so wet with need. Dragging a finger through her slickness, I murmured, You want me so much. I know I do. Tell me. Tell me how much you need me. She gasped as I inserted a tip of my finger inside her. So much. Too much. Way, way too much. Her muscles leapt beneath my touch, both externally and internally. In our bedroom, there was nothing else to think about. Here, it was just us, a place devoid of people. We were in our own world, a world filled with love and lust and a connection so strong I could come just from her thoughts. From living her pleasure and what it did to her, it was the strangest, most surreal sensation. The intimacy of the moment swapped me with everlasting joy. Her feet rubbed on the sheets as my tongue landed on her exposed core. Her hands opened and closed in the blinds, her hips rocking into my mouth. My only goal was to please her and show her how much I fucking adored her, not just for tonight or tomorrow, but every night and day in our future. I sucked her clit, unsheathed my teeth to nipple, my hips pistoned, pressing my hard dick into the mattress, seeking relief as her taste exploded through my veins. I'm so grateful for you, Neela. 
her head thrashing away, her voice resonating through my tongue and her pussy as she called out. My hips rocked harder, fucking the bed as desire built swift and demanding in my blood, sliding over her as I licked her nipple, sucking the hardening flesh into my mouth. She cried out, her skin flushing with sweat. What do you want? Then a thought popped into her head and I caught it. I caught the explosion of desire, asking me to do something she dare not verbalize. Lucky for her, I sensed what she needed. I obeyed. Bearing my teeth, I bit her nipple hard. She moaned loudly in reward, telling me without words that I understood exactly what she wanted. Tonight, she didn't want sweet or soft. Tonight, she wanted to be marked and ridden, to feel human and come alive with aches and love bruises and the knowledge she'd wake up for tomorrow with memories of what we did in the dark. I would oblige her completely. Star Starting from her lips, I kissed her hot and deep. My teeth captured her lips, biting down so that she would feel my kiss long after I left to bestow attention on other parts. Trailing from her mouth to her throat, I bit her. From her collarbone, I licked and loved every inch of her body I bit, leaving indents of my teeth for a few seconds before her flushed skin absorbed the erotic pain, begging for more. I love your tiny breasts, you know that. I swirl my tongue around her nipples, remembering the first time I saw her, the awful things I said to her, the barely delivered lies about needing a woman with bigger breasts and more confidence. I've been enthralled with her from the very first moment. I'd done a better job of hiding my true desires back then. She laughed, skin queaking beneath her tongue. I chuckled and bit down on her stomach, nipping each rib, ensuring every inch of her was tasted. Most was a lie. When I told you I couldn't stand you, I really meant I loved you. When I said you drove me mad, what I meant was I was so mad I couldn't breathe. Her eyes met mine, liquid with love. I smiled lopsidedly, tearing my gaze away. I bit her particularly hard on the hip bone, dragging a strangled cry from her lips. I'm going to punish you for that, reprimand you for the power you've always held over me. She moaned as my mouth latched over her pussy again, only this time I didn't just lick. I fucked her with my tongue, lavishing her with my teeth, her fingers clenched in the tie, her back arching for more, planting a hand on her lower body. I kept her in place as I licked and laved, forcing her to peek fast and hard. She cried out, legs locked, belly flustered, not to stop. Her pussy rippled around my tongue. Her orgasm sparked from nothing, exploding with fireworks. My tongue drank up every clench. I didn't stop until she fell limp against the bed. My chin and lips smeared with pleasure, and I started at her svelte body, smiling at her wanted happiness. Are you feeling alive yet? Miss Weaver. She wiggled, her skin flushing. I'm starting to. Only starting to. I guess I'd better increase my efforts. Climbing up her body, I hovered over her. Impossibly, I fell even more in love with her. Tucking hair from her side, I undid the tie around her wrists. 
Now, what do you suggest I do with you? Her black hair tangled on the pillow as she shrugged, rolling her wrists and their newfound freedom. Anything your heart desires. I grumbled low in my chest, giving me carte blanche to do a dangerous thing. No, it's not. Why? <clears throat> because I trust you. Grabbing my jaw, I looked away. She understood me so fucking much. Closing my eyes, I gathered my control. If I let myself give in, I'd be inside her within seconds before we had a chance to fully embrace the alchemy between us. I groaned as Nina shifted onto her knees. I know what else you can do. With fluttering hands, she undresses me like I'd undressed her. Her fingers kissed my lower belly, gathering at the hem of my black T-shirt and ripping it over my head. You can make love to me, so I can return the favor. Tossing the material onto the floor, her expert touch descends on my jeans. I want to touch you, and fuck you, and keep you forever. Her talent as a seamstress undid the fastening faster than I ever could, her hands hot on my hips as she shoved my jeans and box of briefs down in one go. Move, so I can get rid of these. I didn't speak, lapping up everything she gave. Rolling onto my back, I copied what she'd done and arched. Her tongue came out, licking her bottom lip as her eyes locked onto my hard dick, slipping my clothing off me to the floor, naked, both of us this time. Time stopped ticking onward, the new day paused, and Neela and I just stared. Our promises of intensity and taking it slow hovered like scripture, slowly disintegrating the longer we breathed. I wanted her so fucking much. Her hand landed on my cock, and that was it. I couldn't do it anymore. I don't know who moved first. One second I was on my back, the next my hands were full of Neela's hair, and my mouth connected with hers. We threw ourselves together, our bodies slamming into one. Nothing else mattered but joining. The whip and ties would have to wait for another time. This, this didn't need props or toys. This was pure, undiluted passion. The sheets tangled around my legs as I imprisoned her on her back. My chest rose and fell with hers, her breast squashing deliciously against it. Words, words weren't allowed when all I wanted was emotion. She could talk to me, but in silent form. She could beg me, but only what was inside her mind. I would hear, I would understand, and I would fucking deliver every command she decreed. My lips captured hers again. My mind focused on nothing but the rhythmic strokes of her taste, her fingernails slicing down my spine for more. Somehow our legs entwined, our arms 
arms plated, our entire bodies fought to get closer, her legs spread wider, her knees nudging mine as she cradled me between them. I wanted her like that. I wanted her rough, gentle, safe, dangerous. But in that second... I needed her brutal. She needed me to bite her, while I needed to fuck her. Shooting upwards, I grabbed her hot skin, flipping her onto her feet. Tell me how this is going to be, no problem. Stretching on her knees, she arched her spine, sitting on all fours. The dip of her spine blew my fucking mind. The crack of her ass leading the way up to the hottest, wettest cunt I'd ever had. Looking over her shoulders, her lips burnt a bright red, swollen from our kisses. Her face flushed pink from her orgasm and her thoughts. They gave me complete freedom to take her like this. She wanted it. You want to be ridden? She bit her lip, her teeth indenting her red flesh, swallowing a possessive growl. I clamped one hand on her hips and the other around my cock. Yanking her backwards, I positioned myself to line it up perfectly. As her entrance locked over the crown of my cock, I couldn't see. My eyes short-circuited as insane bliss catapulted down my dick and into my balls. I had her in my arms, and yet somehow I still expected her to vanish. She was everything I ever dreamed of. I couldn't help fearing she'd be gone when I woke. I'd find her never existed, and this was all a terrible fantasy. But then she rolled backwards, sliding her pussy down my length. Her spine rolled, her hand folding towards the bed. She demanded more, and shit, I'd give her more. I'd give her everything. Thrusting upwards, her body offered no barriers. I filled her completely. Her previous orgasm sickied and prepared into her. I didn't have to worry about being gentle or slow. I could climb inside and take everything she offered. Leaning forward, I wrapped my arms around her chest. Her head grabbed her dangling breast, squeezing the weight. Her mouth found her spine, kissing the beads of her bones, thrusting again and again, opening myself to every thought of Neela's. I felt her gratitude, her love, her desire. I felt her happiness, her singular concentration on me inside her, and the quietness that brings us together. Biting her waist, I continued to thrust upward, my hips rocking to a punishing rhythm, forcing Neela to accept my pace, slamming us together, keeping our bodies joined. Fuck, you feel so good. I kissed and bit her, driving myself insane with sensation. I want to come all over you, in you, on you. I want to come with you like this for the rest of our lives. I want you to know you belong to me. I need you. Shit, I need you. Her words wobbled, breathing with her pace. She begged me not to stop. My balls tightened, building with bubbling pleasure. My cock grew thicker and harder, impaling her, spearing her, diving into her over and over and over. My hands roamed her on her back and waist. I couldn't stop touching her, fisting her short hair. I wrote her short and fast, degrading but respecting, cruel but loving. I stole you from everyone. I snapped the collar around your neck and made you mine. Every scream you uttered is mine. Every moan you made is mine. Your heart beats for mine. Fuck you are mine, Neela. 
Her neck curved backwards as I kept hold of her hair, screaming, Yes, God, yes. Her legs trembled. My knees glued to the mattress as I thrust in again and again. My wrist gathered in every cell, electrifying together, surging into my cock. Sweat misted my hairline as I continued to ravage. My fingers bruised her hips as I yanked her back again and again. I'll never stop needing you, Nettle. I want you to know every secret. Want to grow old with you. I want to be the reason you smile and hurt those who make you cry. I want to be by your side when I finally do something worthwhile, and I want to enjoy every fucking second we have left together. Neela's flesh bounced and her thighs crackled with mine. I hurtled towards the finish, reaching between her legs. I strummed her clit, forcing her to climb to the heights of where I was. I wanted to come. Fuck! But how I wanted to come, but I wanted her there with me. A short cry fell from her lips as her back stiffened. Her fingernails dug into the mattress, forcing me to fuck her harder, touch her faster. The pleasure was too great. The pressure was too demanding. I couldn't wait. Plastering the sweaty skin on hers, I hollowed my cheeks, sucking her skin, kissing her, biting her. My fingers worked her clit as my hips spasmed in a brutal fashion. Shards of pain erupted up my leg, morphing into the sharpest bliss I'd ever had at the first split, and it's splashing into her. I reared up, throwing my head back as another wave erupted, and another, and another. Goosebumps decorated my skin as every rapture transformed from me and transferred into this woman. Neela came. Her screams merged with my grunts, her pussy milking me as my orgasm crested. We continued rocking long after the adrenaline and intensity of shared releases faded. We didn't speak as I got up to let go of her hair, massaging her shoulders, running my fingers over her spine. Together, we flopped to the side, letting the mattress cradle us. I didn't withdraw, and the combined heat and wetness from inside her bound us even more. Spooning Neela, I grabbed the covers and tugged it both over us. Her skin chilled quickly after the heat of sex, nuzzling her from behind. I cupped her breast and sucked in a huge gust. Come closer. My voice was hoarse, my touch gentle, after being merciless. <clears throat> that was a selection from Pepper Winters, and the piece is known as Final Debt. And that was the final piece for the evening. I want to thank each and every last person who did go ahead Come on out, everybody who did go ahead and send a tip in. Amy, Jack, your perfect imperfections only add to your sexiness. Can't wait to see your tree. Amy, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who did go ahead and throw out a tip tonight. Thank you to everybody who does make these live shows possible. Your tips, your patronage, you telling everybody about them and bringing people out, your continued support does make it happen and, of course, makes it the most interesting and most fun night of the week for me as the Grey Knight. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you to each and every last person who did show up. That is the live show. There isn't going to be one 
for the next two Fridays because of Thanksgiving. There's going to be a patron show on the 22nd, so don't come on out. There's going to be a patron show instead. Uh, and then there is going to be a special Saturday night on the 30th of November, final uh, day of the month, 30th of November, Saturday show, 10 p.m. Eastern instead, closing out the month strong. I figure everybody will be back from Thanksgiving or so then and could use a little bit of a party, at least if you're in North America. Okay, guys, that was the show. A uh, little bit of a hiccup in the middle there, uh, but we we finished strong. We got through it. Thank you again to everybody who comes out. I love doing the live stuff. I really do. Uh, coming out, doing the live stuff is is uh, is something I look forward to each and every last Friday. So uh, I, I guess not the next two, though. Uh, but performing live is legitimately – it's an honor, and I'm grateful, and I'm blessed to be able to do it. So just everybody who contributes, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Hope you're having a wonderful rest of your week. I hope you have a wonderful week and you have a wonderful rest of your week ahead of you as you listen to the recording. Please come out sometime to an actual live show. means the world. The more people who are there, the more fun it is for me, for everybody. All right, guys. Thank you again. That does conclude the show. Get out of here. Going out, there will be music in the music lounge. Again, I appreciate each and every last one of you. Hope to see you all again very, very soon. All right, guys. Have a great weekend now. Bye. Bye.